0: Greetings to each one of you in Jesus' name. I was incredibly challenged and blessed with the service thus far. Uh, some of those songs, wow, they just, yeah, they, they bring brings tears to your eyes. And we have a hope beyond hope through Jesus Christ. And what an opportunity we have as God's children to be able to share that message of hope with those around us. What a true privilege. I do want to say to the fathers, Happy Father's Day. And to those that are maybe fatherless, I say Happy Father's Day. Because we have a father that cares And our earthly fathers, as we observe and even as we live, we fail, we struggle, and yet we get back up. And the hope that we have as Christian fathers, hopefully we can go back and say, I'm sorry, I messed up. But for those that maybe aren't blessed with that, we have a heavenly father that is there and cares and wants the best for each one of us spiritually. In Ephesians 4, it says, And He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some teachers and some song leaders and some singers and some ushers and some cooks... (laughs) You know, we're having a fellowship meal. You know, that's ministering to one another. It says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We are here today as Christian brothers and sisters. We heard the message of song. Now we hear the message of God's word. And so I want to draw, to draw your attention to Ephesians chapter 4. For the purpose of the church that is you individually but also collectively we come together to encourage one another and I'm hoping that through these songs and I know that many have been encouraged including myself but I'm also hoping that through the message of God's word not the speaker not the comments but the message of God's word can speak to your heart and I've said ever since um, God called me to preach. You know, <clears throat> I'm convinced God has an incredible sense of humor because He called me <laughs> to preach. Yeah, that's incredible. But it starts there in Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, is that you? I want you to think about that. Is that you? The apostle was was. Speaking here and writing. And he said that he was this prisoner. Is that you? Are you a prisoner of the Lord? And then he goes on to say, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Are you walking according to God's calling in your life? And God's calling in your life and my life is to follow Christ. Christ. As we heard through, our, through these songs, our hope, Jesus Christ, that you walk worthy of the voc- vocation wherewith you are called. And how, did, how do we do that? It says to follow Christ. This next verse, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then it talks about us individually, And collectively, there's one body, one spirit, even as you or ye are called in one hope, that hope, that message that we heard through those songs, in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ, God gives you the grace and strength to overcome whatever obstacle you personally are facing today, yesterday, and maybe even something that we have no idea that's coming down the road. But it says, He is giving grace, giving us grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, He saith, when He ascended up on high, He led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that He ascended, What is but that He descended first to the lower parts of the earth. Jesus came down, flesh and blood, to walk this earth. To experience the very things that you personally experience. That He might fill all things. And He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of you individually. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry of Christ. What is the work of the ministry of Christ? All of the above. All of this. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. With lowliness. With meekness. With long-suffering. Forbearing. Endeavoring. One body. One spirit. One Lord. And the bond of peace. Wow. There's so much there. And you're a part of it. I'm a part of it. And it's an excellent opportunity to recognize that we are a part of an exciting plan that God has for each one of us individually. Verse 13: Till we all come in the unity of faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Are you there yet? Wow, look at that again. Till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you measure up? I look at myself. And I look at the imperfections that I have in my life. And I thank God that I'm not where I was when I became a Christian When I was 17, there were a lot of things God had to work out of me through his spirit, prompting me, Davey, this this has got to go. This has got to go. And those prompting, those pricks, those little, yeah, those little nudges that I got, not only from God's spirit, but even from other people, helped me in my Christian life. And as I speak of this, you know, Um, My dad, he gave us a lot of good principles that we share, that we, we cherish today. Not that dad was a perfect person, far from it. Not that I'm a perfect person, far from it. But those principles that my parents shared with us, they stuck. And then, through Christ and his spirit, it helped to enhance that. Till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. Carried about by every wind of doctrine. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love. We took a train trip our 30th anniversary. We went out to Montana to see Wyatt. <clears throat> and on this train, we met lots of people, different people. There was a young man that was, uh, got a scholarship from high school. He was traveling. He, he was Muslim, and he was traveling and attending a Christian college. And so my wife and I, we were sitting there, and he, we started to get up and walk, or walk, walk back to our car, to our seat, and he hey um what's that thing on on her head and so it gave me an opportunity to share the truth of god's word speaking the truth in love there was another man that we talked to and i told you know asked him what all he was doing and you know what his job was where he was from did he have family and so we went through that and then he asked about me and i said well i'm a i'm a teacher i'm a pastor and, and we farm. And he said, oh, I forgot to tell you. I'm an atheist. Hmm, Interesting. And so that sparked just a short conversation there. Speaking the truth of, in love. That we may grow up into him at in all things, which is the head, even Christ. This word vocation is an invitation. In verse 1, it's calling or bidding us to come. It is therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, calling you to come that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. You know, sometimes we're called to different jobs. You know, um, I never imagined that God would call me to even step in the classroom because when I was in school, oh, school was fun. I shouldn't be telling my students this, but they probably know it anyway from the many stories. School was fun. I didn't make the best grades. I was kind of the B, C, D, F student. No, after that first F in my freshman year, uh, my mother fixed that. Um, Things changed after that. But there were a lot of comments from teachers. And I know that you all probably wouldn't guess this, but talks too much in class. Yeah. You know, but through that experience, I understand a little bit more young people. Not that I understand everything, far from it. But you know, I can somewhat identify with that by being there. And you know, you can identify similar things with other people because of struggles or instances or experiences that you have personally. You know, it says here he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Not all of us are called to preach. Not all of us are called to sing or lead singing. I just, Jared, I just cannot imagine getting up in front of a group of young people and actually getting them to do something that makes sense. (laughs) And it was beautiful. But I don't know music. That's not a gift. And it's far from a calling of mine. But I say, God bless you and you're leading. God bless you and you're singing. And you know, I don't know who all is out there And what your calling is for the future. But one day, God may call you (laughs) to scrub the pots. Think about it. I've always told my children, listen, you can't start out on top. You start out on the bottom. You start out scrubbing the, the toilets. And then, if you do a good job scrubbing the toilets, then maybe they'll promote you to scrubbing the sinks. And then, maybe they'll promote you to moving into the kitchen or sweeping the floor or something. Not all of us are called to those jobs that are out there in the limelight. But a lot of things that are accomplished are done behind the scenes by people that are just there doing the work. Some jobs may not seem quite as important, and yet all of it is necessary. You know, when we look at the life of Moses, we look at that divine calling in, in his life. You know, he was drawn out of water. He was a Pharaoh's son. The daughter of, uh, of Pharaoh's, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And then through that education, through that system, he felt like, hey, I can do this. And when he t- tried to deliver the Israelites himself, He failed miserably and had to flee into the wilderness. And then in all those years in the wilderness, Moses learned to be on the back burner. He learned to be a servant, to be a humble shepherd. And then when God called to him out of that burning bush, he said, wait a minute, I failed. Who am I that I should go Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And yet we see God used Moses in a tremendous way to set his people free. But it was God's timing. It wasn't Moses. Moses thought that the task assigned to him wasn't his calling. And yet he did it. Because God said, I want you to do it. Some jobs, I am sure, may seem far beyond your ability. But don't allow yourself to say, I can't do that. I can't do that. Without allowing God to shape the tool. You. For His glory. Because He can shape that tool. And He can use that tool to minister to the hearts of someone That may be experiencing something that you went through yourself. Something that you experienced yourself. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. You know, there are some ways that you may be able to minister to the heart of someone else. Way better than someone that's way out front. Because they connect or you connect And I know that we understand we connect with people. We connect with certain types of people. And I think that is for God's glory. Not for ours, but it's for God's glory for the perfecting of one another. And I'm hoping that in this message this morning... And in other messages that I've shared and in other messages that many ministers or just God's people have shared personally, individually, collectively can speak to hearts, can speak to a need that we can perfect one another. God doesn't always call the equipped, but he equips those he calls But also on the other side of the coin we also need to be careful that we don't think that my way is the best way my way or the highway you know it's not like that we need the balance of other people's viewpoints to make things work out in a way that is appealing that is tasteful that is god-honoring And we tend to look at things from a viewpoint that is hugely slanted towards what we think and believe. And I think it's kind of natural for sure. But it's towards our own conceited self-image. But as Christian people, that needs to be fading away as we allow God's Spirit to work in our hearts. As we allow God's Spirit to take first place in our lives, that should be just gradually fading away. Romans 12.3 says, For I say, Through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Soberly. Verse 2 says, With all loneliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This endeavoring means to use speed. Let's go! We've got to get this done. To make effort, to prompt, to be earnest. Listen, people. If you were on the way home from this service, this fellowship meal today, and you drove by your neighbor, your friend, or even somebody that you did not know, and you saw... Smoke coming out of that house or that car or whatever, I would dare say that you would make every effort possible to warn that person or get them out or help them in some way, 911, whatever. Folks, we are all headed towards eternity. And there are so many souls out there that are heading in that very direction of eternity. Some as saints born again with hope, living godly lives, but there are so, so many that are out there that are perishing apart from that hope that Philip shared. And I can't remember what you said would be that sign. What did you say would be on that sign? On the gates of hell, somebody said that. Maybe it was one of these brothers over here. Robert. Robert, there you go. On the gates of hell, abandon all hope, ye that enter here. Man, I never want to see that. Never want to see that. But you know, do you and I care enough to minister to the hearts of those that are lost, that are going to see that sign? Wow. We need to make haste to rescue these people from that burning building, that burning car, whatever it is. That eternity apart from God God wants us to keep peace in our brotherhood in the brotherhood of faith to put forth effort and to make it a man a matter of business like it is an emergency for you and for me and even within the church if there are relationships that cause us to not fellowship together we need to make effort to heal that relationship For the glory of God to to encourage one another. It's an emergency. What is your desire for yourself and the church? What is it? Is it so that you can just squeak into heaven? Or is it? so that we can proclaim the Gospel message to as many people as we possibly can. As we were riding on the train, my father-in-law called and he said, he he talked to a, a gentleman that was on the train and he said, this man seemed broken and somewhat hopeless. And he said, just wondering if, If you had time, if you could come up and and chat with this this fella, I need a tissue. Somebody could get me a tissue, that'd be helpful. Hallelujah. Thank you. (laughs) And you know, I was sitting in my comfortable seat on the train. And after I got that phone call, I told Paula, I said, "Yeah, I really don't want to go up there." <laughs> Does that sound like human nature? <laughs> Does that sound carnal? I'm sorry, it it is. It's me. It's probably each one of us, because I was comfortable. I didn't really want to be disturbed, and so I sat there and we chatted about it a little bit. And I said, "Well, you know what? I think I'm going to go because, you know, I just feel like maybe I should." Well, you know what? <clears throat> I got up to that car, that man was nowhere to be found, and I never saw him on the train. I don't know who he was. And what if, by a couple of words of encouragement, it could have helped that person avoid seeing that sign? Sometimes we miss our opportunities, and I say that for myself. Because I was sitting in comfort. And many of us sit in comfort. We have air conditioning, lights, fans are working. We've got food coming. Is anybody here hungry? Besides the little children, I know you're hungry. (laughs) Most of us are well fed. Look at me. What is our aim? What is our desire? I'll skip that story. There's one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of gift of Christ. Is God your Father? Today is Father's Day. And we look at the earthly father of Father's Day. But is God your Father? Is Christ your Lord? It says one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father. All these things are one, which means that each one of us should pull together as one. And Robert shared how this group of young people came came together as individuals. And they came together as one. And he gave some apostles and prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. We see differing abilities, differing people, differing gifts. But it's for the work of the building of the body the edifying of the body of Christ each one of us have some differing gifts and abilities can y'all see that over there verse 13 says till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, till we all come. We all have different traits, personalities, things about us. Pineapple. Are you a pineapple? You know, when you pick up a pineapple that has been grown, you can't just pick it up and take a bite. Because the good stuff is on the inside. You know, this pineapple, it's kind of kind of prickly on the outside. But when you cut away all this prickly stuff, You have a sweet tasting fruit. Are you a pineapple? Kind of prickly on the outside, but inside you've got a good heart and what's in there just needs to be brought out by some pruning, by some trimming. Some of us may be an apple They say an apple a day will keep the doctor away. I like apples. I actually like them sliced better than just crunching it off of the core. But an apple is something that is sweet and it's healthy. It's something that's crunchy. They have inner qualities that when eaten regularly can possibly help avoid heart disease or cancer or some other things. Maybe Delmar could tell us more about an apple a day. He might not make as much money if you eat these. <clears throat> a pear. I like pears. They're actually one of my more favorite than an apple. Sliced, of course, and ripe. You know somebody that looks like that? Besides me, of course. But you know, a pear, it's short, it's plump, and a pear that is not ripened properly, it can be hard, it can be tart. But if you let it mature, if you let it ripen, it becomes soft and mellow and are actually very tasty. And again, I prefer pears, ripe, ripened pears, to an apple slice. Are you a pear? <laughs> He's not. <laughs> an orange. This is navel orange. Sorry. This orange, you can't just take a bite out of it like this pineapple because this peel is bitter. But on the inside, most of them are soft and juicy. And they have individual sections that are just incredibly made by God that you can pull apart. And if you split those open, they have also some Inner juicy little teardrop things. Wow. That can't see much on the outside, but on the inside, that is an incredible creation by God. Are you an orange? Are y'all getting hungry yet? Oh yeah. Better hurry. Fresh picked. Actually, (laughs) fresh shopped. They're juicy. They're crunchy. But if you smash these things up and let them set, they ferment. And it actually becomes quite nasty before it would turn into something useful. Are you a grape that fresh picked is quite tasty? Or are you, see any, are you smashed and getting sour in your Christian life because of some hard things that have come along the way? Allow God to ferment you into something that is Useful. Medicinal, tasteful. We all experience some things in life that may make us (laughs) or could make us as we allow it to get kind of nasty. But you know what? As we allow God to work in our hearts and lives, He can bring forth something beautiful. Something that can actually be a healing, helpful. Are you a jolly rancher? Are you happy? Do you portray that in your Christian life? In your job? In your school? In your home? Wherever you go? Are you someone that is good-hearted, fun, Lots of flavor. Are you a hot tamale? Some people think they're hot tamales. They think they're hot, but they're not. It adds spice to life. Or are you a whatchamacallit? Anybody anybody ever taste a whatchamacallit? What you think, Brent? You like them? A whatchamacallit is a conglomeration of a whole lot of things together. It's chocolate chip, peanut butter flavored crisps, Caramel, and it's covered in chocolate. Anything that's covered in chocolate is good. No, not really, but a conglomeration of things. I wouldn't want a steady diet of a whatchamacallit. I wouldn't want a complete steady diet of a pineapple or gummy bears, gummy, jolly gummy ranchers. I wouldn't want a complete diet of pears or apples. But you know what? If we mix all of those things together and we use them to build the body of Christ, that we perfect one another, what do we have? We have something worthwhile. We have something that is tasty, something that's balanced. It's not just my way or the highway, but it's all of us working together as a body of Christ. We need all of the different flavors of you and you and you. We need all of those flavors of individuals in the body of Christ mixed together to edify one another, to glorify God. Are you in your own little state? I won't pick anybody out that may look like or act like a pineapple. I won't call anybody's name that may be a tart pear. I won't call anybody's name that <laughs> broke off of the vine. No that may be fermented and are getting sour. That's not my job. My job is to preach the word. You know what? The Holy Spirit will speak to your heart and life as you invite him to do that. But if you don't invite him to do that, you might be like that grape that is apart from the vine. Till we all come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. It is us pulling together to become more like Jesus. I'm glad He's still working on me. I'm glad that Jesus has given me something to live for and that's that hope that you all sang about. And I want each one of us to have Philippians... 314 as a calling for you individually that we press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. God's design for the church, for each one of us, is to be more like Christ, to grow, to be more like Him, that we have His mind, that we exemplify His characteristics, that we be not Unstable, tossed to and fro. But that we have something steadfast. And that we can speak the truth in love. To encourage one another in faith. For God's glory. Not our own. Not anyone else's. But for God's glory. May that be our desire. To be called and use the gift to balance the diet of the Christian life again for God's glory. Lord bless you.